0: Again, I appreciate you being here. I know there's quite a few places you could choose to be on Christmas Eve, but it's it's good to have you with us. I want to welcome you and again, welcome our our online communities, the South Valley and South Dakota and the East Coast and all of you joining us. It's good to be together this evening. I want to wrap up tonight and then add one little caveat to it tomorrow morning with the devotional we put together in this series I developed called The Worst Christmas Ever. Uh, there, there, no doubt, there are, there, there are seasons that we find ourselves in that are anything but the best ever. There are seasons we find ourselves in that, that from everything we experience seems like the worst ever. Uh, sometimes that happens around Christmas time. And what we've been doing in this series is looking at the first Christmas, the story of the first Christmas, And how for some, it may have appeared to be on the outset from the external things that are going on as the worst Christmas ever. You have this little girl named Mary, maybe 14 or 16 years old, with all kinds of dreams about her, what her her marriage would produce, what her home would be like. And all of a sudden, she gets news that she's pregnant. And for a young girl in that situation, it probably started as the worst The worst ever. Now once Jesus showed up, everything changed. But it didn't necessarily start as the best ever. Same thing thing with Joseph. A man of integrity, a man who knew that the news he was hearing about his betrothed wife being pregnant, he knew knew it wasn't his. And for a moment there, it started for Joseph as as the worst ever. But as we see all, all, all through Scripture, once Jesus shows up, though things may start as the worst ever, it doesn't doesn't end up that way. We looked in the story of a little old lady named Anna and a little old man named Simeon, who, who for all accounts, had had a rough go of it in life. And they were looking at another year, probably alone, another year of what could be the worst ever in their old age. And then all of a sudden, Jesus showed up. Well, there's others in this story that we need to look at. And we used to talk about the worst Christmas ever. But, but here's what I know. When we're in the midst of the worst ever, whatever that is, when we're in the midst of the worst ever, the only thing we want to hear is some good news, right? Right? You're, you're in the midst of, see, it's the worst ever. I just need some good news. Have you had good news of great joy recently? In the last half a year, for my family, in the last half a year, all three of our sons graduated and finished with their BA work. That was good news. It caused great joy. One of them started their master's work. gonna be done at the end of this year. It's good news, a great joy. Two of our sons got full-time jobs, like grown-up adult jobs, out of state. Sad for us, but good for them. Good news a great joy. During this last half a year, we got a new grandson. Good news a great joy. Each of those events, each of those circumstances in life brought us, it was very good news and brought us very great joy. Now, probably doesn't bring you as much great joy as it brings us, you, you, you don't have the same reaction to that good news that I have. And the reason is, you don't have the same relationship with those people that I have. You understand that, don't you? E- even if you know me well, even if you know me and my wife, you might be happy for us, but it doesn't cause exuberance in you like it did us. No matter how you feel about it, you don't share the fullness of my joy because because it doesn't mean the same to you. Does that make sense? 2,000 years ago, there was a bunch of shepherds in the field watching over their flock at night. And they heard good news about someone they'd never met. They were spending the night caring for their sheep. And a messenger appeared to them and told them good news about a child who'd be born. And although this child was not their nephew, although this child was not their son nor a son of one of their friends, even though they didn't even know the mom or dad, when they heard the news, they were ecstatic. And they rushed to see him. And after they saw him, they could not not tell everybody about him. Why? What was it about that news that was such good news of great joy that caused them not knowing the people involved, not having relationships with What was it about them that caused so much exuberance in their life? Because the good news of great joy was attached to something that had significance for them. It was attached to something that didn't just have significance to them. It was actually personal for them. And so I want to read you the account. Of the shepherds out in the field, and the news that was good news that brought great joy. And why it was the way it was? Here's what the Bible says: And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause what? Great joy." For all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared and the angel, with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. As I think about the worst Christmas ever, and what makes it the best ever, I I, I, this I, I thought Christmas, Christmas is what makes the worst ever into the best ever. Why? Because it me mean, Christmas means. Good news of great joy. That's what Christmas means. Good news of great joy. This is exactly what the angels told the shepherds. They said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you, what's that word? Good news that'll cause what? Great joy. Christmas Christmas makes the worst ever the best ever because Christmas is good news of great joy. What was it about this? All the angels said is that this little baby, the same, had been born. What was it about that announcement that caused so much great joy? Well, let me tell you. The thing that caused the announcement of a baby's birth to be great joy is because what this baby was called. The angel said, a uh, savior, has been born. Literally, a deliverer. A deliverer has come. This word Savior slash deliverer had a profound understanding attached to it according to the Old Testament Scriptures that, that the Jewish people would know. There was deep expectation for what this meant. In Greek, that word Savior, we would say sotir, Hebrew "moshiach." Both of those are wrapped up in the name Yeshua that we translate into Jesus. The, the, the interesting thing about, about Luke 2 when it says the Savior has been born to you, that word Savior was used once previously in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 1. But in Luke chapter 1, it was used in terms of God whom we would call God the Father, like the big God, like the big guy. It, it was used of God Almighty. In, 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 that, in that context, it's Luke 1, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my Deliverer. Up until the birth announcement in Luke 2, it was used of God that we see, Almighty God that we see all through the Old Testament. And so this word save attached to Yeshua is used of God and his relationship to his people historically throughout the Old Testament. So so, so when they hear this word, Savior, in their minds, they think, yes, this is the God that we've heard about that saves Israel, that saves his people. This is the God that we've heard about that saves his people from his, from our enemy. This is the God that we've heard about that, that cleans us up internally by this religious system that he's given. This is the God that saves those who are afflicted. We've heard about him. We've read about him in the in the scripture. This is the God who saves those in need and saves our children who are in need. This is the God who saves who saves his people from destruction? This is the God that we've read about, who, 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 who saves those who are humble in heart. This is the God that we've read about in the old scriptures that saves not by weapon of might or military, but saves by his. This is the God like we we've read about him. All this saving work that's attached to this, this idea of God my savior, all that saving work was the expectation of God to do for his people Israel. And when the New Testament uses this word so tear, this is what comes to the mind of, of the people who knew what we call the Old Testament Scriptures. It was a far-off hope. It was a hope that one day God would. We know what the, the Scriptures say, and we hope one day he will actually... It was hope. But all that changed in Luke 2. In Luke 2, verse 11, all that changed. Because that's when the angel said, today in the town of David, a savior. And boom, all of a sudden, they said that word. And all of a sudden, all this history flooded their minds. Oh, that one that we've heard of. That one we've heard of. That one we've been told about. That one has been born to a Messiah. That person. In this, in this, in that instant, this person was put on the same functional plane as God the Father in the Old Testament. This was amazing. That this little one born was put on the fun, same functional plane with the same authority. This, this, this. This announcement. Changed everything. Here's the significance. When the angels announced as referring to Jesus, so to the Savior, they were saying He had the same functional authority that had been attributed exclusively to God. So now it wasn't a hope. That one day, God Almighty might. Now that was a pronouncement that He just had. See, when they said good news of great joy, a Savior has been born. He's Christ the Lord. What they heard, if I can translate it, what they heard is the God who saves that we've read about in the scriptures has now arrived in the flesh. And that, that right there caused great joy. Because it wasn't a hope anymore, it was reality. So they start to realize, okay, right, right now, now, all this stuff we hoped that God would, but now, this baby that was just announced, this baby is the one, who does save us finally? Like we read about in the scriptures, this little baby. He is the one, because we are who who steps, who intervenes, who interacts, who shows up, who isn't distant anymore. This little baby, this little baby is the one that we we've heard about that that this God who will save us for His own namesake. This little baby is the one who will save me for His own. In other words, the worse I am, the better He looks when He saves me. He just showed up. See, before Luke 2.11, the saving and the deliverer was for the, pe- the nation of Israel. But in Luke 2.11, when the baby shows up, it's not just about the nation, now it's about the person. Now the saving and the deliverer gets personal. That's why they were so excited. And that's why it was good news that caused such great joy. Because now it just wasn't a big umbrella for the people. Now it was for me. See, Christmas is good news of great joy because it's for all the people. It's for all the people. Part of the importance of the announcement of the angels to the shepherds is that it was good news of great joy to all people. It was a great announcement to all people that 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 this great thing had just occurred. Now, prior to the announcement, it was, the understanding was it was good news for a great joy for the nation of Israel. But now it was for all the people. See, it was it was really it originally thought that the Messiah, what was going to be a political leader, who would come to establish freedom, who would come to establish the, the nation's independence and wealth and prosperity and a strong. Uh, uh, economy and a strong military and national identity for the Jews. Does, does that sound familiar to to politics and the idea that this Messiah would bring good news of great joy to all the people? See, this this announcement by the angels was the pronouncement of God was procuring. Like this was this was the plan. Good news of great joy for all the people. Good news is a great joy for all who would come to God through Jesus, the one born King of the Jews. Good news is a great joy. No longer was God sequestered to a people. Now, it's for all the people. Now was the realization of what would be written later in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world that Christmas. That whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. Good news of great joy. This, this pronouncement was amazing. And the thing I as I was thinking about this this week. I thought there had to be something more that was so amazing to these shepherds. There had to have been something more. Now this was big. But but I thought if 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 I'm a shepherd and I'm hearing this, I get excited not just that everything that I had heard about God's saving was now maybe coming true for our for our people, but now it's personal. But 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 I'm thinking as a shepherd that the good news is a great joy for for all people. See, as I look at this, I think part of the implication in the announcement of all people. Is it that, for me, it it means people who are the religiously unclean people too. Good news of great joy for all people. Even the ones who religiously don't have their stuff together. The, the, The good news of great joy extends to people who cannot keep themselves religiously clean like the law demands. Now, it would make sense in a religious system that it would be good news a great joy for those who are good religious people, right? That would make sense. That's how most people think about God in the first place anyway. That if we can get ourselves to the place of being acceptable to God, we I mean, got good news, great joy. But the, sh- the, the angel said, "Good news, great joy to all the people, not just the ones who can keep their stuff together." And that's good news. Here's why: because I'm one of those that has a hard time keeping my religious self together. Like like like, I do a pretty good job of walking with Jesus when I'm up here. Like in, in a few minutes, while I do a pretty good job. But but the problem is, once I get down from here and I get out there, see, here's what I know about me. I, I, I got some parts in me that aren't sanctified very much yet. I, I got some stuff in me. I got some stuff in me that uh, is, is not necessarily going to put me in good standing. Where I got, I got some stuff. Let me see. I'm saved, but I'm not holified all the way yet. See, I, I still know a lot of words that aren't in the Bible. And every once in a while, some of the... And the more I get around people like you and other people, the more the, the, more the, the unsanctified part of me comes out. And, and so I need... The good news of a great joy for all the people, even the people who religiously can't keep their stuff together. And this is why it was so significant that the pronouncement started with the shepherds. See, the very work that they were doing put them in danger of being ceremonially unclean to get to God. And that's why God came to them. See the significance of this for me, as I understand, it, is profound. Because what we're talking about is the difference between religion and Christianity, religion and relationship. And, and so, so I, I, I need us to understand this. This, this is this is religion. Says this: if I can get myself clean, I can come to God. I get myself clean. I come to and 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 at some level. This is, this is a, there's there's a kernel in this that we believe. Like, if I can just at least not do the big bad stuff, right? Like, like God doesn't mind if I got some little stuff he's still working on, but I got to make sure I get rid of the big stuff, and then I can come to him, and at least he's going to be appreciative of my effort to get rid of the big stuff. Right? I mean, at some level. See, here's a problem. (laughs) I can't even live up to my own standard, let alone live up to God's. And and if we buy into the religious system that says if I can do this, then I can be a little bit more acceptable. Now, Now, some of you have tried religion a long time. And and you understand, you felt it. You're feeling it right now. It has just left you so dried up and abused and beat up. Because the only thing it does is convince you that you're not, just, it's not, you can't measure up. And, and And that's the danger of this idea of religion, that's the danger. But the significance of the angels coming to the shepherds is that they were, they were announcing something new. It wasn't religion anymore. See, this Christianity says this, although I'm currently dirty, God still comes to me. Even though the filth of the shepherds, they, they, God still came to them. See, this is, this is, this is grace versus performance. And when grace is up against performance, grace always wins. When God comes to us, not us going to Him. See, grace makes beautiful things out of ugly things. Grace makes wholeness out of broken. Grace always wins. And this is why it was so important that the announcement of the advent of this Savior, this Deliverer, would first come to the shepherds, the outcast and the dirty. Those who couldn't get themselves clean enough to get to God. See, Christmas is good news of great joy because it means finally I can have peace. See, this huge group of heavenly beings appears alongside the angel and they collectively worship God by, by proclaiming this. That's what their pro- proclamation was: Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. Now, I don't want you to in something. Again, I was looking through this and praying through this, and I thought, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. Look what it says. On earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. It doesn't say, on earth peace to everybody. It doesn't say, God's peace now falls on everyone. It doesn't say that. What's it say? To those on whom his favor rests. And I looked at that and thought, oh. oh. So if his peace falls on to those on whom his favor rests, are there those on whom his favor doesn't rest? If that's the case, if if the good part of the good news is peace to those two and four, those on whom His favor rests, we got two questions. We got two questions. One's about peace. What is this peace that rests on people of God's favor? What is that peace? But the second question, important question, is how do I get His favor to rest on me? Right. Like if he brings peace to those on whom his favor rests, what's that peace? Because I bet it's good. And how do I get one of, become one of those people on whom his favor rests? Does that make sense? Do you ever think about it like this? And so I started digging a little bit. and I thought, I want to know what this peace is. So here's, here's what I found out this peace is. This peace that doesn't come through a religious. This peace that has come through, through God in the flesh. This Savior, this Deliverer brings This is the peace they talk about. It's this tranquil state of the soul that's assured of its salvation through Christ. It's it's the position of the soul that is assured and unshakable of its salvation through Christ. And, and, And it's in people who fear nothing from God and who are content. Now, if you're going through the worst ever, isn't, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to have a tranquil state of your soul that's not on edge, that's not worrisome, that's not harassed, that's not shaken, that's not stirred, a tranquil state of your soul that's at peace with God, content with Him, wouldn't that be peace? And, and, if, and if, that's, if that's what's needed, and all it takes is to have God's favor rest on you, then the question is, how do I get that favor? Like that peace sounds great. How do I get the favor? So, so, so I looked at that word favor. I want to share with you what this is. This, this word favor comes from two words. One is... Ugh. It, it literally means well or to prosper. And the other root word is dokeo, which means of the opinion of or to think. And, and so so please understand, God's favor literally means that he now, through Jesus, that God thinks well of me. That's what his favor means. And Christmas is good news of great joy because through Jesus, God now thinks well of me. See, here's what happens. In religion, we try to be good people. We try to get stuff right. We try to not do the bad stuff and do more of the good stuff and at least get the big stuff taken care of in an effort to maybe God will think well of me because he sees how hard I'm working, right? And the more we try that, the more it just doesn't work and it doesn't last. But, when I come to God through the delivered Jesus, now my soul is at rest in Him. I fear nothing from Him. I'm content in Him because now in spite of what I've done or not done, God thinks well of me. So I can be at peace and experience tranquility of soul of shirt of my salvation, fearing nothing. Because of that little child who came for me, God now thinks well of me. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so the angel, the, the shepherds heard this, and this, 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 this changed everything. See, because Christmas is good news, there's a reason to be excited. I don't know how many times I've read this story. I mean, I've been a professional Christian for a long time, and and like I get paid to be a Christian; it's pretty awesome. But I know, I'm, I've read this so much, and I don't know that I've ever read it and said "woohoo" and then ran out and told everybody about it. But I, I mean, I didn't hear it through the ears of the shepherds. But because I'm starting to understand the good news of great joy, and because that's what Christmas is, there's reason to be excited about this. And after the shepherds showed the announcement, they hurried off. They had to see it. They had to see it for themselves. That's what the Bible says in verses fifteen and sixteen of Luke two, when the angels had left them and got into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, "Let's go to Bethlehem. We got to see this thing that's happened." which the Lord had told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. See, there was something within them that knew that there was something special about the, what they just heard. They knew it. They felt they there was something that kn- they knew this was different. There was something in them. They knew that there was truth in what they heard. They didn't understand it all, but they knew that there was truth in what they heard. And they knew that what they would at least deserved investigation. Let's go check this out. If this is true, if what we've heard is true, if there's any truth to it, it deserves We got to investigate this, man. Because this changes everything. And in their excitement, they decided, man, I, Christmas scenes I got to tell my huddle about this. Like this is such good... I've got to tell my huddle now. A flip side, we uh, we we believe uh, in a couple things wholeheartedly: that that Jesus is is the only begotten Son of God; that the Scriptures are holy and 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 without error; and and that American football is a gift of God to humanity. American football. This World Cup stuff we've been forced to watch on channel 26, American football. And so I put terms, I put things in terms that that helped me understand. I'm a pretty simple man. And and so we talk about our huddle a lot. And in football, when teams used to huddle in the good old days, there was a, a man surrounded by ten other men. And that was their huddle. And and they would they fought together. They celebrated together. They battled together. They won and lost together. That, that was They were tight. And, and you did what you did, not just for you, but for the guy next to you. And, and what I know, what I know about, about God's economy is that he has put every one of us within our own huddle. There's a lot of people in our lives, but we got somewhere between 8 to 15 people that were around all the time. Some of them we're related to. Some of them we work with. Some of them we like. Some of them we don't like at all. Some of them are nice people and some of them are just nasty people. But we got our huddle. Some people, like if, if you're a Christ follower, you got people in your huddle that are Christ followers and you're there for support. But, but, but if you're a Christ follower, you got other people in your huddle that aren't following Jesus. And the only reason they're in your huddle and you're in theirs so, you can tell about Jesus. Good news of great joy. Now, some of you are here tonight and you have made up your mind about this Jesus. You're feeling that there might be something to it and it probably deserves some investigation. But you're here because someone in your huddle invited you. You're here because someone in your huddle loves you. You're here. Because someone in your huddle believes this and believes you are important enough to know this. Don't miss it. These shepherds, when they had seen Him, they spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They were the first humans to spread the good news of great joy to their huddle. And it just went from one dirty shepherd to all his dirty friends. And that's what I love about it. These guys were approached and accepted by God. They were no longer the outcasts of a separatist and hierarchical religious system which they could never measure up or be good enough. Now they were the dirty ones who were invited in. And now because this, this amazing grace of this good news about great joy, they had to tell others in their huddle about it. And so this is where our story intersects with theirs. Let me just wrap this up with this. This is where our story intersects with theirs. If you have not yet heard and received the good news of great joy and the grace of God into and through the life of Jesus. There's something within you right now that knows there's truth to what you've just heard. There's something in you right now that knows that what you've heard deserves investigation. Why not right now? Why not right now? Drop the religious stuff. Understand the person of Jesus and what this good news and great joy means. Why not right now? Attach your life to the one who will never reject you. To the one who brings good news. To the one who will bring great joy. To enter into a relationship with the one who gives undeserved and unmerited and unearned favor of God. From one dirty shepherd to his dirty friends. I want to invite you in. I want to invite you in. This is good news of great joy. Won't you pray with me? Father, I thank You that on this Christmas Eve that You reminded me of how You came to me and didn't expect me to get cleaned up to come to You. Thank You that You came to this dirty man And Father, I pray for my friends. If there's one here who has not yet understood and believed this, I pray that this night would be their night. So friends, in the quietness of this moment, from one dirty man to his friend, I'd invite you in whatever words you want to say. But however that makes sense to you in your mind, to say something along the lines of, God, I agree with you. I cannot live up to your perfect standard. When I fail to do that, you call that sin. And I agree with you that I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to begin the process of making me into the person you created me to be. In spite of what I've done, in advance of anything that I will do, I accept you as a leader of my life, help me learn what it means to follow you. Amen. I listen. If that has been your decision. I want you to understand that is good news and great joy. Because no longer do you have to live under the oppression and depression of trying to make God happy with you. That has been done by faith. That's as simple as complex as it is. And no longer do you beg His forgiveness, no longer do you beg His presence. You got it. And now you learn to live in the freedom of his mercy and the grace that's new every morning. And it changes everything. But, but, but here's, the other, here's the other side of that. If you've already received the good news of great joy and the grace of God through the life of Jesus, if you've already received it, if, if that's already your reality, we cannot and we must not stay silent about it. It's good news of great joy. It deserves proclamation. And it deserves invitation. And your huddle deserves to hear your story. Your huddle deserves to hear his story. See, I believe that for God so loved the world that Christmas, Christmas is now a verb, Christmas. The good news of great joy. That's for all the people. There's peace on those on whom his favor rests by relational transaction. For God so love the world that Christmas. For God so loved the world, that good news. For God so love the world, that great joy. For God so love the world that New life, for God so loved the world, that excitement, for God so loved the world, that necessitates telling my huddle. If there are people in my life that I love, I got good news of great joy. See, what I know is this. For God so loved means Christmas when the worst is overridden by the best. Do you understand that? For God so loved. And so we're going to do two things. Just like the shepherds, heard the good news, interacted with it, believed it. They went off. There was excitement. There was exuberance. There was energy. And so far, I feel like I've been preaching okay. I don't know if you've been listening as well as I've been preaching. Because there ought to be a little bit of excitement, a little bit of energy, a little bit. I should have heard at some point, oh, that's good news that I didn't hear that yet. I'm I'm, waiting. And so I'm going to give us a chance. We're going to sing a song that just so happens to be called For God So Loved. And we're going to sing it with a little bit of exuberance and excitement if, if, if this is your story. We're going to sing it with a little bit of exuberant excitement because that's what it deserves some energy. But there's another side of this story. And there's one little verse that we're going to wrap up with after we sing this. But for now, For God So Loved, Christmas, Listen.